Grace, the Amy Santiago of Royal Bloggers. And I'm Jessica, the Dorothy's Boring app of Royal Bloggers. And we'd like to welcome you to On Air, the podcast where two cynical Brits discuss the latest royal news and the truth behind the story. Hello everyone and welcome back to the On Air podcast with me, Jessica, and my wonderful co-host Grace. Say hello, Grace. Hello. I'm introducing a new thing where we introduce ourselves um, <laughs> so that people can tell the difference between our voices. Anyway, so um, yes, we we have some meaty topics to be getting into today. So um, let's kick off. No more rambling from me. So yes, our first topic that we're going to be discussing today is uh, Prince William. He went to Singapore. Uh, which was primarily for the third annual Earthshot Prize ceremony. So Earthshot is a environmental prize that William set up, which is going to last for 10 years. So this was the third annual ceremony. The previous ones happened in the UK, Boston in the US and in and now in Singapore. So we're going to talk a little bit about what he did, some of the main headlines that have come out, which aren't really related to Earthshot <laughs> in any way whatsoever, in my opinion. Before we kick off on him actually being in Singapore, there was something that I wanted to briefly touch on, which happened at a media briefing um, in London, I think just before he went. So they invited the press and um, one of the members of the press asked Kensington Palace, apparently, about the contradiction of campaigning to prevent or lessen the impact of climate change while making tons of people fly to Singapore for an award ceremony. Kensington Palace, (laughs) their response was apparently that the prize was about finding innovative solutions rather than telling people not to get on planes or in cars. And then a direct quote from this article I read was, we're not looking back to the ice age, we're looking forward to the green age. Oh, that's dramatic. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of PMQs. I was not expecting you to say that. No. So if you don't know, PMQ stands for Prime Minister's Questions. So I think it's a weekly thing. I'm not sure. Where the Prime Minister and lots of other politicians get together at the government in the Houses of Parliament and people have the opportunity to ask the Prime Minister questions. They, all, they have this set formula. It really irritates me where it says like Keir Starmer, who's the leader of the opposition, will go up and to use a current example, he'll say something like, oh, Mr. Speaker. Does the Prime Minister think it's not a Starmer impression? It was good, wasn't it? Your Home Secretary has said that homelessness is a lifestyle choice and not a result of poverty and inequality. What do you agree with her? And how do you think that your, or how do you feel about the fact that your policies have uh, led to a 73% increase in homelessness? Something like that. And then Rishi will stand up and what he'll say is... Um, oh, well, it, Mr. Speaker, it's funny that the leader of the opposition wants to talk about homelessness, because when Labour were in government in 2009, homelessness increased by 20%. And actually, we'll be, we're building 300,000 homes a year. So, you know, that's his record is terrible. And then he'll sit down again and everyone cheers, even though he did not answer any of the questions. <laughs> um, he just got he heard homelessness. And then he stands up and he says, you're, you were terrible at homelessness, so I don't know why you're talking, and we're amazing. And here's an example of a twisted statistics to prove that. And that's kind of what it reminded me of, that gr- Ice Age, Green Age bit. Because I was like, there were no planes in the Ice Age. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> that wasn't a topical issue back then. No, I don't, it's not. And it also, it kind of makes it seem like, instead of saying, I hear your concerns, but this is why I don't agree, 
it's kind of saying, well, you're wrong. You're looking backwards if you're criticizing us. You're looking into the past. You're not thinking about innovation and the future. And we are. And I was like, that's just, what are you talking about? I think, and it's annoying because the first point is really fair. It, William has not, as to my knowledge, ever asked somebody to not get on a plane or not get in, get in a car. Oh, I just want to know, someone wrote that and they were so proud of it. And I really need to know who it was. Like <laughs> One of the new recruits, I think. One of the new ones who's like, part of the team that makes all the snazzy videos yeah they were like oh I've got a great one and they also like, went oh that's amazing we'll get it on a t-shirt yeah. yeah yeah definitely um and I think it's you know in a more serious note every environmentalist in the world gets it like if you look at the daily mail they have sort of weekly articles about like this person is in just stop oil and they glued themselves to a lamppost but they also went on a holiday to Thailand six years ago what a hypocrite <laughs> you know and as if that makes sense. And, um, you know, Crown Princess Victoria is a really big um, advocate for the environment over in Sweden. And she's been asked about that point blank by the press. And she, I think her answer is always quite good because she kind of says, actually, you're right. I, I do worry about this. And I do think about this. And it does concern me that I have to fly so often for my job, but it is also part of my job. And I think there are great benefits to going abroad and representing Sweden and, you know, talking about our interests with other countries. And it's just about sort of how do I find that balance? I think the tricky thing with William is he chose to set up Earthshot. He, he, he can't use that excuse of like, it's part of my job because it is, this isn't part of his job. He decided to do this. He could have done any, he could have had every Earthshot ceremony, you know, where everyone just zooms in, you know? Um, so I, I, I just, I, I would like to see, it's not that I think that William should be going on a plane less or traveling less or anything like that. It's just that I think it would be nice to just have an interview with him where he kind of says, you know what, I think about that too. I think like like all of us, I'm worried that my personal decisions are having an impact on the environment and this is something we all have to deal with in the, in the 21st century kind of thing. Does that make sense? It's such a, it's also like such an easy stick to beat people with the sort of, if you're going on a plane, but you're like pro environment. Um, and I think I've always felt like William's done a really good job of being like positive about the environment rather than negative. And there's, there are so many easy ways to be like, to make, you know, flying on a plane, but also being environmentally conscious, a positive thing being like, no, you can still have holidays, but you have to be really conscious of your choices. And, you know, and he hasn't done that. And obviously it's something that's just going to happen every time he ever flies on a plane for the rest of his life, unless he addresses it. So I, it would just be nice to have a like, you know what, actually, I do think about this and it does concern me sometimes, but I try to focus on the positive sides of it. Um, it, would, it isn't necessarily, I think it's a bad thing, as you say, that he went to Singapore at all. It's just that I think that it would be nice to just hear from him directly in a bit more of a human way, like Victoria's done and kind of say, actually, yes, I do think about this and it does worry me, but this is how I try and get over it or this is what I try to do instead, you know. Yes, but anyway, that was just something I wanted to touch on before we actually get into the the date, the the trip itself. We're just going to say what they did and then pick out some interesting things that, that happened. So on the first day, he arrived at the Jewel Chang, or the Changi Airport, um, and went to the HSBC Rain Vortex um, and then did like a walkabout with the public. I think that's all that happened on that first day. My aunt and uncle were there the day before. It's great because they would literally never have shut up about it if they were there the same time as Prince William. The rest of the life would be like, when I was in Singapore with Prince William, <laughs> <laughs> I said to my mum, I was like, how annoyed do you think she is that they left, the <laughs> that mm. Prince William arrived the day they left? 
Yeah, so Jewel is a nature-themed entertainment and retail complex, apparently. And the Rain Vortex is this world's largest indoor waterfall. And William is watching it be illuminated in green to kind of like kick off the countdown to Earthshot. And whenever I see royals going to Singapore, it looks bananas. I, I Every time they go, I'm like, gosh, I really want to go to Singapore. And it's not somewhere that I would have put on my list before because I don't like long haul flight. This is going to sound so stupid to anyone who's listening from Singapore. I'm sure they're like, you're you're an idiot. But it looks like a city from the future. It's like there's um that meme where it's like uh, civilization, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, you know, didn't do this. And it's Singapore. So that was one of my observations, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think which I think is, you know, part of why they go to these places, isn't it? It's probably one of the reasons why Singapore wanted to have this event. And really went all out because they lit up everything green at different points. And, you know, they were really invested in it. And I think possibly why is because every time I see Singapore, when a royal goes and visits, I think, gosh, I should really go to Singapore. (laughs) And then also, like, I think the thing that really struck me from that first day was just the enormity of the size of the crowds. I I have been on a bit of a train for a while with people being like, you know like oh William's you know not making the most of his sort of opportunity and I'm like I don't know what you're on about because William is beloved really across the world like he's not like everyone's favorite person there's lots of people who don't like him but of the sort of modern royals he is across the world I'd say he is the most well-liked he's the most known most popular and when he arrived (laughs) in Singapore and there was just like meters deep crowds Mm -hmm be like William's here and they were and I saw the, like interviews being like do you know why he's here they're like no I was like okay they've just come to see William <laughs> you've come to see William that's it they also all had union jacks and I'm so fascinated about where they got them from <laughs> I wouldn't know if they were handed out like was there a little stool downstairs mm-hmm. in the airport like pick up union jack on your way upstairs to meet William or does do people just have them because I don't I actually might I might have a union jack somewhere I don't own any other flags from any other country. Um, and I'm fairly sure I've just been given... I might have been given the Union flag um, during the during 2012 when they were um, oh, yeah. running with the Olympic torch around the country. I'm sure I got one then. But I don't own any other flags. I don't even know where I would buy a flag. I don't know. I don't have a Union Jack. I don't know, I don't know where I'd buy one in Scotland. Um, that might be <laughs> interesting. Um, I imagine that it was like one re- or a couple of really sort of entrepreneurial young Singaporeans who were like, right, if we order some Union Jack flags in bulk and then just go up to the airport and sell them outside, we will make a killing. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. They mm-hmm. made a fortune with all those flags. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good start. Um it's, it's it immediately sort of sold Singapore in a really positive way for, as like an observer who doesn't know that much about Singapore. And William came across as somebody who can, you know, still pull these enormous crowds, which like n- nobody would be gathering like that for Rishi Sunak, would they? <laughs> no, I think so. that was one of the things that I think I noticed. And the crowds was when the crowds were so big and so positive. And I was sitting there thinking, like, no, no one else would pull these crowds. Like, no politician, maybe like, I don't know, like Beyonce would pull them. But Beyonce is not a political figure. She's a singer. But no political figure in the world would pull no. those crowds. No, definitely so, not. Yeah. So day two, as far as I can tell, they did some dragon boat racing. Then he met with the president of Singapore. Then he met with the prime minister of Singapore. 
And then there was the United for Wildlife Global Summit. So I have no idea why he went dragon boat racing, to be honest. Still don't really understand. Is it really big in Singapore? I don't know. From what I deep in my Googling, I think there is a community of Commonwealth right. expats who live in Singapore who do dragon boat racing. Okay. I don't know if that's a real thing, but that's what I found. And I was like, that seems like a really obscure link, but I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> that's the only thing I can find. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty standard that every time William goes anywhere, he will he will get to do some sailing. But it was just like a really random thing to sort of be included of all the things that Singapore has to offer to go dragon boat racing. Didn't really make it wasn't bad. It just didn't. I didn't really understand it. But I think I think the most interesting bit from the day for me was obviously the speech at United for Wildlife. I say the speech, yeah. one sentence of the speech, really. <laughs> Um, he mentioned that um, he was, you know, Kate, his wife, was very sorry that she couldn't be there um, and that she wasn't there because she was helping their son, Prince George, prepare for his first set of exams. Now, if you look at the earliest reports about William going to Singapore, it says that William and Kate will be going together. Those were in sort of like springtime. And then before the event happened, obviously, we got confirmation that it was just going to be William, which kicked off a big fuss with a lot of people being like, this is disgraceful that Kate isn't going, even Kate, well, predominantly Kate's biggest fans were the ones who were complaining about the fact that she wasn't going to be there. And then, you know, a lot of people were speculating as to why that might be. And the George's exams were kind of the biggest speculative reason that were present that was presented. And so this is kind of the confirmation of that. What What do you think? Let's, what do you think? Something I noticed when I was writing out my, that everything William did in Singapore was that it is very much, it's it's a William itinerary. Yeah. There's Earthshot, there's United for Wildlife. And at no point, I mean, I'm not a William speech expert, but I don't think any other United for Wildlife event has he ever told me where Kate is. No. At that particular moment, he's never gone, oh, I'm sorry Kate can't come to my own personal patronage because she's cooking tea. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I even understand being like, if it was a speech to Singapore, like, mm. um, I don't know, like when meeting with the president being like oh Catherine's really sorry she can't be here but this was for his yeah. personal patronage united for wildlife at a united for wildlife event that he was doing during a tour for his charity earthshot I, I mean i don't mind that you said it. i'm not angry that he said it but it just seemed like reigniting <laughs> and people's annoyance for no good reason because people already knew she wasn't there and people were already had their own opinions and it wasn't going to change anyone's mind and I still don't know why he said it in the first place yeah I think maybe their thought was like well there's been a lot of speculation about why she isn't there and maybe if we mention that it's George and that she, oh, she was being, just being a loving mother then people will will let it go but you're totally right I hadn't even thought about the fact that it was weird that it was a United for Wildlife event yeah it, it's a, it was obviously something that was directed at the whole tour but the speech was supposed to be about United for Wildlife my general view on this has not changed, which is like, I don't want to sound unsympathetic and cold, but being a royal is a job. And sometimes you'll have to miss your kids' things in order to do your job, like every other parent. And that's Kate's own philosophy about parenting. She's always said, it's you don't have to go to every single thing, but when you do spend time together, it's about making sure it's quality time. I don't personally like when the children get like blamed. However, this is not her project. And as you say, the way that the itinerary was designed, I think the dragon boat thing would have been interesting because they would have had, you know, the, them as against each other as teams. And then obviously the Earthshot Prize. But she, the United for Wildlife, she would have just been sitting there. She wouldn't have said anything. So it would have been an entire day, pretty much, that was just her. You know, I, she didn't need to be there. She, she's to me, she's never expressed 
an interest in the environment beyond the average member of the public. It's not her area of interest. So I don't, I feel like people expected her to be there, got really excited about it, and then she wasn't. And so now they're angry about it instead of just being disappointed. And like, it's not her fault that you wrongly assumed that she was going to be there because she never said she was. Like William didn't go with Kate to Denmark because it was a Kate thing. And, you know, if you even if you compare it to their trip to Boston, which is really the only thing we can compare it to, like Kate kind of just awkwardly stood there yeah. for most of it. And then she went on a trip to Harvard, which and w- at the same time, William met the president of the United <laughs> States and Kate got all the coverage for being at Harvard in a pretty dress. Yeah. So I understand. I don't think they made a decision because Kate's going to steal the coverage if she does something to do with children. But I understand if they thought George has got some exams, actually... I don't need to be there. Yeah. It's not like this is a pressing issue for me. So I'm going to stay home and, and support George and you go. I, I, I agreed with you that like the last Earth shot, as much as it's nice to see Kate, she did feel a little bit surplus to requirement. Like she didn't need to be there for anything. And I didn't really understand why they were sending her all the way over there when she could have been in the UK doing stuff that felt more relevant. So yeah, my general conclusion is get over it. Another argument I saw a lot was like, oh, Earth shot's going to really suffer. I was like, no, it's not. It didn't suffer. It's no. not, it doesn't look like it's going to suffer. I mean, if it I mean it's on TV like tonight when we're recording. So if there's a sudden drop in viewers because everyone who wanted to see Kate in a pretty dress hasn't tuned in, I'll eat my words. But everyone who would refuse to tune tune in because they want to see Kate in a pretty dress already knows she wasn't there in a pretty dress. Everyone else who's tuning in is doing it because it's on before strictly. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's not affected Earth in any way. Yeah, and also that's a wider issue that, you know, if you think that William can't do anything and won't get any attention for anything that he does unless Kate is there, like that's that's an issue. So then we move on to day three, um, where, again, not a huge amount of information, but from what I can tell, he met with the finalists for the Earthshot Prize um, at the Super Trees in Gardens by the Bay, and then it was the prize, prize itself. Is that correct? Yes. My only note for today just said Earthshot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, my notes are basically like, once again, Singapore is super cool and futuristic. Um, it looked so good, this sort of tree thing. <laughs> yes, it's. I've always loved that uh, Gardens by the Bay tree thing. It's so cool. Yet again, well done, Singapore, on all your fancy buildings. As for the prize itself, we haven't actually seen it because it's airing t- today, isn't it? Yeah. So we don't really have, we don't know if anything exciting happened. Although to be fair, I think um, if something exciting did happen, they'll probably have edited it out. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, But um, we did get to see them sort of arrive on the red car, or the green carpet. I, I, I actually, so I understand why they have to have like a few days to kind of edit it all together and put it on at the right time so that as many people watch it as possible. But I would rather not know who wins until after it's aired. I have gone out of my way not to know this time. I haven't looked, but I know that it is there. Yeah. Like, like obviously, the first time it aired, as it pretty much yeah. was like, it did that thing, like, the BAFTAs, where it was like half an hour afterwards, they could, yeah. you know, edit out any swearing. And then last time in Boston, I knew because I'd sort of been watching it as it happened, like, over Twitter. 
and then watched it later and it was a bit boring. So this year I'm not looking. So it's an exciting surprise when I watch the show. I do enjoy it surprisingly, considering how few royal things I enjoy watching. <laughs> um, I actually do enjoy watching the Aerostrad thing. So I kind of I don't want it to be spoiled. I just really like the part where they get announced they win and there's all these people mm-hmm. stood like around a fishing net in Australia like oh my god and then they're like screaming for three minutes while someone on stage is desperately trying to get them to say something before the time runs out like yeah it just feels it feels almost like a homemade price ceremony but on a very big budget and I just love that yeah so I'm looking forward to watching it but we don't have anything massively exciting to tell you at the moment the fourth and final day of the uh trip my details are slightly fuzzy on this but i know that he did a treetop walk with the deputy prime minister so like a nature reserve apparently he went to a forensic lab to learn about how scientists are involved in the war on the wildlife trade but i've only seen one thing about this i haven't seen it anywhere else so i have no idea when exactly that happened or what he did um and then there was earthshot plus um which is an event uh kind of because earthshot is has now sort of become more than just the prize ceremony and it's like a week of events and he went to one of the events which um, where he was sat on a panel. Yeah, so yeah, I think he also went to um, Eco Labs right at the very start of the day. Right, okay. Um, I like the true top walk, even though in my head it was like, go ape. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which would have been more fun, personally. I think they should have done go ape. Um, but every time I see anyone doing anything with a deputy prime minister, I assume it's Nick Clegg. Mm. <laughs> I had to get that out of my brain. It's not Prince William and Nick Clegg doing Go Ape in some trees in Singapore. In case anyone doesn't know, Nick Clegg was our Deputy Prime Minister, I should say, quite a long time ago. Um, Yeah, he's just stuck in my head as a Deputy Prime Minister now. And he did not move to Singapore and become the Deputy Prime Minister there, as far as we know. No, I'm pretty sure it wasn't him. But I haven't actually checked who the Deputy Prime Minister of Singapore is, so you don't know for sure. No, that's very true. (laughs) You ever seen them in the same room together? I don't think so. The only thing I have notes on is the the panel because that generated the most headlines. I didn't watch the full panel. I don't even know where it is online, but um, he did make some comments and they were quite, there's quite a long, they're quite long. So I'm just going to pick out the key bits. And even though I'm paraphrasing there, I'm not changing the meaning of, of how they were put within this, you know, I'm not leaving out anything that's important to context. I don't think. Um, So the things I picked out that he said, Previously, the family had been very much spotlighting brilliantly and going around and highlighting lots. I want to go a step further. I want to actually bring change. It's kind of going deeper and longer than it, uh, than it is the case of just having loads of causes that you sort of turn up and keep an eye on. And this has become quite controversial. You know, William's not my cup of tea. I just, I'm always more interested in the female royals. So he, was, I, he wasn't my cup of tea, but I didn't have bad things about him. I always thought that regardless of whether I personally love him or not, he when the time came, he will make a good king. But the more William shares his like vision for what he thinks the monarchy is or what it should be, the more I think maybe I'm not right about that. <laughs> and this statement is just adding to that pile of concerns that I have for a few different reasons. I think the first one is it's really insulting and inaccurate. So he said like that people in his family have been good at spotlighting things, but that they they he wants to make an impact and go deeper than 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 they have. So essentially implying that they have not gone deep and made an impact, um, that they just have these hundreds of patronages and they just go and visit them every so often. And that's about it. I think like if you think about Charles or Philip um, and even Diana, 
they all managed to make a massive impact while having hundreds more patronages than William has. Um, so it's just, it's kind of insulting to all of the members of his family to suggest that they haven't been going deep and they haven't been making a real impact this entire time. What he really should have said is, I am not capable of making an impact while having hundreds of patronages. So it's, and so I'm not going to do that because it's not, it's his failing. It's uh, Charles and Philip and Anne have all had hundreds of patronages and have also been able to make a deep impact. Like William could only hope to have the impact that the Prince's Trust or the Duke of Edinburgh Award has had. And so I, I think like you can't do it maybe, and that's fine if you can't, I probably couldn't either, but don't blame everyone else in your family and like erase all of the impact that they've had because you can't do it while having hundreds of patronages. Yeah, like it was such a bizarre statement because it's not like William doesn't know about <laughs> impact of the Prince's Trust or the Duke of Edinburgh. Like his wife did the Duke of Edinburgh Award. Yeah. Like he's he's met people from the Prince. He did a whole documentary with Anton Deck where he was like, my father's work with the Prince's Trust has been amazing. It's changed yeah. so many lives. Has he like maybe he's had a minor concussion and forgotten everything? I don't know. But on yeah, I don't know. I so it, it was it was kind of insulting, but also you know ultimately it wasn't insulting to me personally. So you know I could put that aside. But it also was just inaccurate. My second issue with it was it's not his job. So for a few different reasons, one of them is William is not an expert in climate change or homelessness or any of these things. He he does know about them and you know he's work, he's passionate about them, but he's but he's not an expert in them. So what gives him the right to decide what will make long-term impact and to kind of be the sort of the, the person who has all the answers about what is going to make the long-term impact, but also like he's a public servant. We dictate the rules of his job and the terms of his job. He's not a philanthropist. He's not a politician. Um, and being a royal, whether people like it or not, it does require being seen. It requires going into communities and unveiling a plaque and shaking hands so that somebody in 20 years can go, oh, I once met Prince William and he was really nice to me and we had a nice chat and I feel really positively about the monarchy because of that tiny little interaction that I had with him. And that doesn't happen sitting in boardrooms making decisions about, you know, what's going to make this sort of longer term impact. I don't understand why he thinks that I, as a taxpayer, should give him millions of pounds to pursue his passion project. I think he's been almost like he's been inspired by the myth of Diana. Like Charles and Diana both made have made both made a lot of impact, and that's undeniable. But they've also both done a lot of like grunt work. Like they've done being patron of, you know, things that clearly doesn't matter to them, you know, because they can't care about everything. They've opened hospitals. They've uh, planted trees. They've done all the boring stuff. So they could also do the things that really matter to them. But, and, but I think there's been, because there's like this myth of Diana, like before Diana died, she wasn't a royal anymore, so she could do her passion projects with the fame of a royal. And then since then, people are like, oh, Diana's, they talk about these amazing things she did as if like she'd gone above and beyond to do these amazing things. and didn't do any of the boring royal stuff. She just went out of her way to do these amazing things, which isn't true, but it's definitely the way she's portrayed. And then when people try to counteract that, they talk about all the amazing things Charles has done. They're like, yeah, but Charles has done all these good things without talking about all the boring stuff that Charles did as Prince of Wales. So William has grown up, especially in the last few years when I think Diana, Charles, 
War of the Wells has somehow become a huge topic again. And the narrative around the two successes of his parents have been these huge, you know, earth-changing, out-of-the-box decisions that make impact and change things. And it's not the actual day-to-day work of being a royal. Um, And I almost feel like the, not just William, the entire team around William and Kate have become really enamoured with this idea of coming into a cause and changing that cause and being the figurehead of that cause and not doing all the boring stuff that doesn't sort of um, generate this kind of positive feeling. And I don't think they're sitting there, you know, at home over dinner and being like, oh, I'm not opening any more hospitals. I refuse. Um, But I just, I genuinely think it's almost not on their wavelength (laughs) that that also happens and they just don't register it as royal work. It's just like, oh, that's the, the boring stuff that the Duke of Gloucester can do. And I can do fun things. You can have, you can want to have this long-term impact and all of those sorts of things. I don't, I don't mind that, but I think it can't come at the expense of the day-to-day average stuff that keeps the monarchy ticking. And William never seems to really acknowledge that. Um, He always seems to kind of be quite dismissive of it. But I, I also think there's part of it that's like this kind of twittification of the monarchy of like, I think that they are, they think that they are appealing to like the new young generation who want this more long-term impact and who don't want royals to just be puppets. And I think a lot of it is like they've seen stuff on Twitter and they've looked at the trends and they're kind of trying to appeal to what they think young people want. But most people are not on Twitter. And most of the people who are on Twitter don't actually say anything. Uh, It's a very, very small minority of people, a lot of whom are not actually from the UK. So they don't really, and I don't know if they decipher between those people um, in their like, their trend monitoring or whatever they do um but also I think that um the young people might be like oh well I don't think there's any point in having this puppet monarchy you don't actually do things but if push comes to shove they're going to vote against it so I just don't really understand why they're spending so much of their time trying to like convert people who are never going to support them by changing how they're how they behave because in the process of doing that I think they're losing all the people who ordinarily would support them yeah I we speak a lot about how I think the sort of the royal team needs a lot of, you know, it does need sort of diversifying um, because there are issues that as rich white people, the royals will never understand without having a diverse team behind them. But I also think they need one or two members who, you know, of the team who have been there, you know, for years, because it's, it's a, we talk all the time about how the monarchy is a tradition and it can't be a tradition if you stop doing everything that makes it traditional. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, I know, you know, there aren't that many hospitals open. He doesn't always have to be opening a hospital. But those kind of, I think there has to be a balance. I don't have a single problem with William being, you know, having Earthshot and wanting to mm-hmm. change the environment. That's He can do that, but he has to balance it. They both predominantly focus on their passion projects. But I'd say William does it almost above and beyond Kate, compared to, you know, anyone else in the royal family, they are both so narrow in their focus. And obviously, at the moment, it, it doesn't, it's not such a huge issue, because there are still a lot of other royals, not loads, but there are still others, you know, the, the Edinburgh's and Anne, and the Gloucester's who are doing engagements, and they are taking up that brunt work. But in 10 years, you know, all of the other royals will be in 60 plus, most of them will be in their 80s you know, and 
at that point they can't be expected to be you know uh going on a walk through cumbria to i don't know plant a tree in a field in honor of cancer patients whatever it is royals do like they can't always do that and i think there has to be a balance between the passion and the not passion and i think also the last point is that William's always talking about like wanting to transform the system and wanting to make a long-term deep impact and change. And I really hope that he does. I hope that Earthshot changes, ends climate change. I hope that his Homewards project ends homelessness as he's told us it's going to do. But <laughs> I think that he needs to maybe just be a bit more real. I, I love his optimism, but I think there needs to be somebody who comes in every so often and gives him a dash of realism because at the end of the day, William cannot, or absolutely should not, lobby. And I don't think that you can have a genuinely deep, long-term impact in most areas, like most social issues, if you don't have a change in government policy. And so I think he's always going to hit a brick wall. And I worry that because he's, he's, he's made his entire thing being like transforming the system and making long-term deep impact, that he, he'll get to that wall and he'll go, oh, well, I'll just I'll just call some ministers and talk to them and that he'll become more like Charles. And he hasn't really done that. He's been quite good at not overstepping the mark so far. But I do just worry about what happens when he hits that wall and how he responds to it. Uh, I, I feel like, because I want, I always feel like they need, like, a grandparent figure. I don't even yeah. like the queen, but like an old man or woman who is on their team and just like, you can't do that. Um, yeah, they need an and someone who won't take no for an answer. A lot of the time, if someone is your boss and they tell you to do something and you know it's wrong, you just kind of go, okay. But Anne wouldn't do that. They just need an to every now and then come in for me and be like, nope, nope, nope. Open the lighthouse, please. No, you can do that one. Because and I don't think it is William and Kate's fault, or in fact any of the royals' faults, that they get surrounded by people who want to please them, because that's how what it's like when you are in a position of power. You get people that want to do what you want them to do. But when you are in a position of power because the public have given you that position of power, it needs to be tempered. Um, so, I, yeah, I would love them to have a bigger team with a wider range of people and every now and then they have like i don't know board meetings where people could just be like no that's a stupid idea keith from sunderland could tell them you could go and listen to our episode beauty Bay zero where we suggest this exact thing of having an advisory <laughs> council of ordinary people so for our other topic we are almost pretty much doing one of our classic Mythbuster episodes. I say that, I think we've done two, but they're classic. They will be classic. Um, <laughs> one day, everyone will be like, wow. Um, because this last week, um, some gossip P-news broke in a Spanish gossip magazine, um, which highly insinuated that Crown Prince Frederick of Denmark was having an affair. People reacted in a fascinating way. Mm. So we thought we would look at the news story that broke, see if there is any kind of evidence behind it, and if so, what the evidence is, and also look at how people responded to the story in comparison to other very similar stories. 
Yes. So the reason we're doing it as a Mythbuster format is to essentially stop me from ranting and being really angry at everyone for 40 minutes because I'm very angry at, at everyone <laughs> at the moment. So, yes, on the 7th of November, um, the Spanish kind of gossipy magazine um, Lecturas said that they had these exclusive photographs of Crown Prince Frederick with a Mexican aristocrat who lives in Spain. Um, she's very famous in Spain, um, called Genoviva Casanova, which, I mean... Come on. Best name I've Come ever had. On. Yeah. Um, and they had photographs of them together in Madrid. They kind of teased it out. I think the photographs came out on the 8th. They actually were taken apparently on the 25th of October. So in typical gossip magazine style, they kind of sat on those photographs and they delayed them and released them at the start of a visit, a state visit from Spain to Denmark. Um, but in the end, the photographs were released and there's, there's a few of them. Um, but they all kind of, a lot of them show sort of very similar things. So there's really only like two photographs. Um, and they kind of show them arriving at her house in Madrid and like leaving her house in Madrid and then him sort of leaving. The photographers who were there said that they went into her house in the afternoon. Several hours later, they left the house in different clothes and they went to a restaurant where they had a private room. They came back to her house apparently at 1 a.m., and then at 8 a.m., Frederick left with a suitcase. Um, he got in a car with plates from the Danish embassy and he was dropped off at a private jet terminal at the airport. The To be fair, the gossip magazine does not explicitly, as far as I know, say he is definitely cheating. Or a lot of the sources are not saying Will it, Frederick is definitely cheating. That's William. <laughs> Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> Frederick is not definitely cheating on um, on Mary, but they sort of refer to it as like the biggest scandal of the year. And, um, you know, there's the heavy insinuation. And of course, like 90% of the people who are commenting on it have gone like, oh, well, he's definitely cheating. And so the only other thing to say is that um, the Danish household has responded to say that they don't comment on the private lives of the royals, and this is no different. And Genoveva, uh, Genoveva, how, Genoveva, 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 I don't know. She denied that there was any romance between the two of them. So there's been a lot of reporting about other things that might have been said or weren't said or could have been said or, you know, whatever. But those are the only sort of verified responses. So that's the whole situation. What the photographs show what the photographers said they saw and what the, the uh, response has been. That's the facts. If we, I mean, even if you look back at how the story broke, it's fascinating. Like you said, they wait, it was during this state visit from Spain to Denmark. And the first thing that happened was the gossip magazine said, we've got a news story, like a shocking gossip story about Crown Prince Frederick and a Mexican socialite. Mm -hmm. And they left that for a few hours. And then the front cover came out, which just showed two people walking next to each other with like, you know, Frederick and the socialite or whatever it said on the front cover. Um, and then some more pictures came out, which, like you said, all looked exactly the same. And then obviously the work, the actual, because it doesn't have an online edition, this newspaper. So people had to wait till the next morning to go into shops in Spain and buy it um, to get the actual words, which had the sort of the timeline and all the insinuations in it. Um and by the time that had happened, the sort of from that first, you know, hint gossip coming, it had been about 24 hours. So within that time, everyone had already made up their mind on sort of what was happening. So almost like everything from that moment onwards was kind of almost like working backwards to the original point because it was sort of give the news was given out in such a weird 
roundabout way that people had made their own minds up before any of the information was out there and it's also you know it's it is human nature to like invent gossip yeah like that's why soap operas are a thing because you watch you know these these characters doing absolutely insane things you're like yeah that sounds believable definitely Mm -hmm. a snapshot of real life Mm -hmm. i live on a street where everyone gets murdered about we have three active serial killers at this exact moment (laughs) like that's not it's of course it's not like a snapshot of real life but people were like yeah sounds about that right that is what humans are like wouldn't midsummer murders have like the highest murder rate in the entire world <laughs> if it was real and it i i love reading it's completely off topic but i love reading like facts about like midsummer and like how it's mm. changed from being a village to a county <laughs> because mm. they've had to kill so many people yeah yeah <laughs> i love it um but like of course as soon as you insinuate that there's a man and a woman people go uh-huh i know what that's about um, whereas if they released it, you know, the pi- even if they just released the pictures at the same time, the pictures show a man and a woman stood next to each other. Um, I mean, I've stood next to men before. Frequently, Me too. And Many. <laughs> don't I do? You know, that's all I do. Stand next to them. The incriminating thing, really, if there is an incriminating thing, would be the timeline. That's the bit that's actually interesting. It's not the photographs. Um, it's the fact that he stayed overnight at her house. That's what's interesting because the photographs just show two people standing outside. It could be any time. They could be going anywhere. They're not holding hands. They're not touching in any way. You know, she's not wearing a badge that says, I just slept with Frederick. You know, it, it, it's it's entirely innocuous. So the first thing I would want to bring up is, what is cheating? <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> I've been saying this a lot on Tumblr. The dictionary, that's my source. My source is the dictionary. Ever heard of it? Um, (laughs) The dictionary says that the definition of cheating is to be sexually unfaithful. So you have to then look up the word unfaithful in order to understand that. And if you check unfaithful, it says, and I quote, engaging in sexual relations with a person other than one's regular partner in contravention of a previous promise or understanding. That's the bit. In contravention of a previous promise or understanding. I think that there's a lot of projecting going on in the analysis of this or the response to this. Um, And also a lot of cultural differences as well. Like I'm seeing Danish people who are like, okay, he stayed the night at someone's house. And and then a lot of Spanish people who maybe, or people from the US who are perhaps from a slightly more conservative culture being like, this is the biggest scandal in the world. He stayed at a single woman's house overnight. But there's this projection going on. Like I think relationships, are vast and they always have been and it can go from you know like mormons who have sister wives so they're literally they're married to six different women and they all have children and they all raise them together like six marriage level relationships that are all going on at the same time to like we're in a committed relationship to each other but we can you know have other relationships you know sexual relationships that are more informal or more sort of a fling or a one night stand or whatever as long as we tell each other about it to okay we're in a committed monogamous monogamous relationship with each other but I don't mind if you hang around with single women um or single men uh or I don't mind if you flirt a little bit or you know I you know it's fine or maybe for this specific window because I'm going to be going away for work for three months you can have affairs if you want to and that's absolutely fine and then when I get back we'll go back to being you know there's any number of different ways that you can think of for a relationship to exist and for the the, the sort of agreement and the understanding and the boundaries of that relationship to exist. So I think that 
something being cheating to you does not mean that it is cheating to somebody else. And so I think actually the question that we should be asking is what are Mary and Frederick's boundaries within their relationship? I mean, you're completely right. And I think I clearly must fall somewhere directly in the middle of that whole list you just gave because I, well, I go on like mum's net or something just for fun. Um, and there's someone on there being like, my darling husband looked at a woman. Shall I break up with him? Oh, we've got five children, don't know what to do. And everyone's like, yeah, break up with him, babe. And I've always been like, what? Yeah. Am I, like, I was like, is everyone weird? Thinking at it in a slightly more logical way. Like for some people, like that is enough. Like this kind of idea of emotional cheating, like being emotionally um, intimate with another person that isn't your partner is the most horrendous thing whereas the physical act is minimal it's just a side note whereas for other people it's the physicality is much more important I've always been I think possibly too lax when I look at things like this because I've always been like yeah who cares Mm -hmm. whereas obviously for some people it is a much bigger deal and people have their own sort of biases about it like you mentioned I I think people think that I'm in denial and that I (laughs) I'm naive or that, you know, they know the reality and I'm just being, and I think, you know, cause we talked about this kind of situation a lot with Charlene and Albert and I get very defensive about it, you know, cause I say things like, even if we had pictures of them kissing each other on the lips, um, that isn't evidence of cheating. In order to have evidence of cheating, you have to have evidence that a boundary and an understanding between the couple was violated. And we don't have that. We just have photographs of two people standing next to each other, which in some relationships would be a violation. But just because it's a violation in your relationship doesn't mean it is in somebody else's. And that's what my problem is. I'm Maybe he did cheat. I am, I'm not saying he is incapable. I'm not saying he didn't. I, I, I'm just saying that I think it makes me uncomfortable that something subjective is turned to something that's like objective. And if you don't, I've seen some people kind of say, well, you know, in Mary's engagement interview, she apparently said that she won't tolerate infidelity. And so therefore that is proof that, um, you know, he definitely was cheating on Mary, but she doesn't define what infidelity is. And it was 20 years ago. So maybe in her mind, she doesn't tolerate infidelity means she doesn't tolerate Frederick being with somebody else and then not telling her about it maybe that's infidelity in their relationship maybe infidelity is something else you know it it could be any number of things it's a subjective term I think if we're analyzing the situation and the the story that's going around the story is Frederick treated on Mary but actually even if the photographs showed them kissing or being physically intimate in some way that would not show cheating it would just show something that you in your relationship would find unacceptable but you can't say that it wouldn't be acceptable in Mary's. You have stories of people, like I have friends who were together for a long time and then they were still together, but they went to a more sort of relaxed relationship for a couple of years. And then they were like, no, actually we're back to just being us. And, it, you know, anything that happened in that period wasn't cheating mm-hmm. because they were both fine with it. Whereas if it happened now, even though they've had this period in the past, they would, re- you know, Uh, define it as cheating because they've changed their boundaries and their relationship but that's Mm -hmm. such a private thing like we you know unless Mary does a sit down tell or interview which is like actually our personal boundaries are you can kiss but that's it you know we're not going to know what they are I went I even checked their wedding vows (laughs) Um, and I'm pretty sure (laughs) that like like the, the wedding vows in the UK they might say like 
forsaking all others. So technically, if you were really religious, you could say, well, he made a vow in front of God. But I don't think that the Danish vows actually have anything in there about forsaking all others. So I, I can't, I have, I got, we don't have any evidence about what the boundaries are specifically within Mary and Frederick's relationship. So yeah, I guess I suppose my second point is kind of like, if we did all have sort of a, a definition that we agreed on of cheating, can we say that these photos show cheating? And I've seen like microanalysis of really weird things like, um, you know, when did his suitcase arrive? has <laughs> um, been a really big topic of conversation in certain forums and message boards. Kind of going back to what you said at the beginning about, you know, the fact that people had already made up their minds. Every part of the picture, every part of the story could be interpreted in a completely different way. So I've seen people online who have said things like, well, he should have stayed at a hotel because um, then, you know, he he would have been not staying at somebody's house so he never would have opened himself up to this criticism. But then I'm seeing other people who are saying like, oh, well, if you're going to have a, an affair, the best place to stay would probably be a hotel because somebody who's photographed going into your hotel, it's not the same thing as them being photographed going into your hotel room. It's very unlikely that they would photograph her going into the same hotel as Frederick and be able to use that as evidence of an affair because you never even saw them together. So, you know, that's just one example, but it's it's a situation where people could say, well, he's obviously cheating because he went and spent the night with her instead of going to a hotel. And then other people were saying, well, obviously, if he was having an affair, he wouldn't be so stupid as to stay at her house overnight. He would get her to go to a hotel. Even if even if we agreed on a shared definition of cheating, even with that, I think that these photographs could be analysed to show cheating or could be shown to not be cheating. And all we definitely know is he stayed with her and he went out for dinner with her. You know, I went through the timeline and all of the sort of, you know, you know, when a story comes out and then like another story comes out that just mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, they were doing this. And it's like the extras. I went through all of it and they went to a Picasso exhibition at some point. Um, they went to a park. They had dinner. And we know he was at her house twice with mm -hmm. her. Um, like th that's the facts of the matter. Like if they had been snogging at the Picasso exhibition or in the park, I'm sure we would know about it. Mm -hmm. So that takes us back to three times where we, you know, we don't really, we've not really seen them, like in this private booth at a restaurant and the two times inside her house. Um, I mean, maybe they were. I know for a fact that I have slept in the same bed as people in relationships and not mm -hmm. had, you know, sex with them just because you don't have well to. Well done, Grace. I'm very, I, I can try my marriages all the time. Um, you know, so we don't know what happened. They might have just stayed up all night chatting. They might have, you know, got cold and snuggled up together on the sofa. I don't know what they did, but no one knows what they did. The people who wrote the magazine article and published mm -hmm. the pictures don't know what they did. Yeah, I suppose a lot of the response to a lot to that a lot of the time is like, well, you don't have proof that they didn't. It's like, yeah, but that's just the rules of logic. This is not how logic works. <laughs> Privately, I'll have all sorts of opinions that are not based in fact or logic or any of that. It's just that I, I save them for private spaces where I can trust the people that I'm talking to. In public spaces, I will be more cautious because anybody can see what I'm saying. And I think in if you're having any sort of public conversation about these sorts of things, you should listen to the rules of logic. And it's like, if somebody is asserting something, they have to provide evidence for it. I don't have to provide evidence because I'm not asserting anything. I'm just counteracting their argument. So if you want to say that he's a cheater and that he's cheated on her, you have to provide the evidence for that. I don't have to provide anything. Their, their arguments have not reached the standard of proving anything. And so therefore, by default, you have I have to publicly at least 
maintain that he is not a cheater and that I will not view him as such and I will not treat him as such. I, I just, you know, I'm not some sort of killjoy who thinks that people can't gossip with each other because I love a bit of gossip. But usually it's because it's harmless. But it's also like with, with just you. Like, what's who's that going to hurt that's me and you gossiped in our WhatsApp chat? No one. But it could feasibly hurt somebody if I put something public that anybody in the world could see. What I think what both of us are asserting is not Frederick is not a cheater. It's that the evidence that has been provided does not prove that he is a cheater. I would prefer to live in a world where I didn't assume people were lying to me all the time. Like, I'm not sitting there like blindly believing everything everyone ever tells me there's some critical thought going on but I also don't automatically assume that everyone is always lying to me and the worst is happening yeah um and I think that particularly now there's such a um I don't want to be like it's like 2008 edgelord vibes but people are like oh no <laughs> like you're so it's you're so silly for believing that you know everyone's in a happy marriage and it's like yeah of course not everyone is but I'd rather assume they were until I was proven otherwise rather than assume everyone is sad all the time yeah, exactly. Like I know for a fact, as soon if 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 it was confirmed, if Mary announced next week that she was leaving Frederick, I know for a fact that I would get messages in my inbox being like, "See, I I told you that he cheated on her, and you didn't believe it." And it's like I wasn't asserting that he he wasn't a cheater. I'm just saying that without any hard evidence, I'm not willing to judge him as being a cheater or treat him any differently because he's or or contribute to that conversation on Tumblr. You know, I. It, but if Mary came out and said it, then I would have new facts and I would reassess my situation. There's no like hurt for me. Like, oh no, I was wrong. However, will I recover? I'm so embarrassed. It's just like, there wasn't evidence and then there was evidence. And so I changed my mind. Like, why is that so weird in this, you know, modern day world that you can change your opinion and it's absolutely fine. Yeah, so I was going to just um, also talk about a little bit about the sort of denials. I think it's hard because there's a lot of noise around this. So I've seen a lot of articles that have been like, oh, with their old friends, they've known each other for this long and they met at this point in time. And other articles have been like, oh, no, he was just a, they'd barely ever met each other before. And it was just a last minute thing because one of their friends got COVID and somebody got asked to stand, you know, and there's and none of that is actually from any particular source that we know of no named source so there's a lot of there's a lot of noise around you know how do they know each other and when did they meet and all those sorts of things the only actual concrete comments have been sort of um the article or the things that are in writing or obviously the article itself and then the statements from the royal household which said nothing and the statement from genevieve and i think it's it's a really difficult thing and i can understand why this might play into some people's views because Genevieve is a is well-known socialite in Spain and is well-known for having relationships with very high-profile men. And for, I was reading, apparently, at one point, she did actually get confronted by the press about a relationship she was in with a politician. And she said she was not in a relationship with him. And then it transpired, actually, she had been in a relationship with him. So I think for a lot of people who maybe know about the Spanish press and Spanish celebrities, they would be less likely to believe this story if it was Frederick and some random other person. But because it's Genevieve, they automatically believe it because they believe that she's like a homewrecker who lies to the press all the time. It is very much her being accused of having an affair with Frederick. You know, like, Frederick's the one is the married man in this situation. But it's very much like Genevieve has had an affair, has tricked poor <laughs> Grand Prince Frederick into this affair. 
Um, and I think my natural reaction would be to say, yeah, my lawyers, I don't even have lawyers, but I would tell everyone my lawyers were involved and looking at this information <laughs> very carefully. Um, just because you want a kind of a safety net around yeah. you. It's like, no, you can't talk to me because the lawyers are doing, dealing with it. Um, I think that it didn't help that she came out quite early on with her statement. I think if she'd maybe waited and seen the photographs come out and seen like the, re- I mean, she probably, she possibly had seen them in advance because they often do that with stuff where they'll, they'll share things in advance with people and try and get their comments. So maybe, but I, I don't know. It just, it felt like maybe she should have waited a little bit. Um, I understand her wanting to be defensive and things, but you know, she could have waited a couple of days um, because it did almost make it seem like she was panicking because maybe the photographs did show something really scandalous. Um, uh, and so that almost, again, kind of added to the people's views that, oh, well, this photograph must show something scandalous because she's reacted in this particular way. Um, so, yeah, I think there is like a context that maybe I'm fully willing to say that like maybe because I don't know who this Genevieve person is, maybe I'm I'm interpreting the situation in a different way because I don't know who she is. But then I also think on the flip side that people who are asserting this are lecturers who, um, from my understanding, are a gossip magazine, kind of a rival to Hola, um, the Spanish version of Hello. Uh, but they also, at one point during this whole story, claimed that Queen Letizia of Spain got her people to get in touch with them specifically because she wanted to see the front pages in advance. And since that was assertion was made, the Spanish court have got involved and have vehemently denied that Queen Letizia ever had anything to do with wanting to see the front pages of the magazine that like did not happen. So there's a you know that then casts doubt on the rest of Lecturas's report because they've said this thing about Letizia, which has been vehemently denied and to which to be honest doesn't sound true to me at all. Um, you know, then that kind of becomes like, well, neither source in this situation is particularly reliable and I think that there's some sort of this attitude towards Genevieve is being you know is really influencing the way that people are responding to the situation but not the the inaccuracies or the you know the quality of lecturas as a source so you know I think without more detail what you've got with the denials and the and the assertions are two fairly unreliable sources who are saying contradictory things so I, I think it, then that becomes like a uh, draw like neither of those things is valuable evidence so my last point is is um you know we've broken down the evidence of the situation and like the denials and the photographs and what they show and what they don't um but then I think the other kind of talking point is even if he was cheating you know does the public have a right to be talking about this and I've always said that even if someone is cheating royals are my employees and not my friends. So, you know, for some situations, there might be like, oh, that's disappointing. But I think there's a level of investment from some people that is quite unhealthy and ignores what the relationship with the royal actually is, which is that they're public servants. And in this case, they aren't even my employees. <laughs> their, their employers are the people of Denmark, who all seem to be pretty chill. Like, it's been a topic that's been discussed, but it's not anywhere near the level of salaciousness that is in Spain. One of the arguments I hear a lot is he should have known people would see this as cheating and should never have opened himself up to that. So even if it's not, even if it isn't cheating, he was in the wrong because he allowed there to be the speculation that he might be cheating. But I mean, firstly, the speculation that William cheated and he did absolutely nothing. We've never even seen him with (laughs) Rose on his own, um, the woman he's alleged to have cheated with. So 
there's, you know, a man can do absolutely nothing <laughs> and still be accused of cheating by certain people. But I also think it makes me, it does make me sad to think the idea that he would go, oh, well, I'm sorry, I can't spend time with you as my friend because some people who I don't know might decide that I'm a terrible person as a result based on their own subjective standards for what is and isn't okay. That just kind of makes me a bit sad. There is one argument, though, that I think is compelling as to why we, people have a right to discuss this. Um, and that is that, Fred, like William and Kate, Frederick and Mary's image rests on this idea that they are the perfect family archetype you know, this, for their anniversaries and things there are books that are released of showing them um kind of together and in love with one another and so they made it a matter of public interest by putting themselves out there they could have done any image that they wanted and that's what they went with and so therefore people have a right to be able to scrutinize that i think i think it's actually a really valid argument um I do think that that does that that only explains like having a conversation about it, which is what we're doing now. It still doesn't give people the right to behave in the way that they are behaving. It's people who have always hated the fact that Mary and Frederick got this perfect family narrative. And so now that they have evidence to suggest or what they believe is evidence to suggest that that, that narrative might not be true, they are actually reveling in it. They are celebrating it. They're making, they're whipping up a frenzy around it um, because they believe that, that, you know, they put this narrative out there and now people are seeing the real them and they're, be, you know, to use a quote, they're being taken down a peg. Those are the people that I have the most issue with in this whole conversation. And those are the people who we were trying to avoid me ranting about for 45 minutes. When the news broke, and this is by no means everyone, but there was a real celebration mm -hmm. that this had happened to Mary and Frederick. There was such a like, ha, I knew it. I knew there's been something. No, you did not know. Whether or not they're happy in their marriage, they project an image that they are happy and have children and they all seem to get on really well. I don't know what they're like behind closed doors, but that is what they are projecting out. That's the, the image they are presenting. And that still hasn't changed. And people were so happy that there was like a chink in their armour that they could poke and prod and be like, haha, evidence that Danish people are evil. Um, and it was quite brutal. Like it was, yeah. it went almost like above and beyond kind of a gossip to being quite malicious. It's particularly interesting because about 24 hours before all of this came out, <laughs> Everybody on Tumblr, it seems like, um, got the exact same message, which was basically somebody saying, I don't understand how you guys are comfortable gaslighting Kate uh, by denying that William cheated on her. You know, it's so obvious. And, I, you know, and all of us had different reactions. My reaction was basically what I've said here today, which is basically we don't know. Even if we'd seen William snogging someone else, that's not proof of cheating because, you know, all the things I've said today. But there were a lot of other people who were like, really like, oh, well, you know, there's no evidence of him cheating whatsoever. How dare you say this? Blah, 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 blah. And then, and oh, you know, you're hurting people who have young children and this is so unfair and blah, blah. And 24 hours later, all of those arguments are completely forgotten. And they're or arguing the literally the exact same thing, the exact same thing, but for somebody else that they just disregarded as being a useless, terrible argument. And okay, there are photographs in this situation, but there are photographs of William with women before Kate and him were married when they were still a couple that, you know, if people wanted to use those as evidence, they could. I'm not saying that they are. I don't, I think they're as, as incriminating as the photographs of Frederick, 
Um, but I, I just think that, you know, a lot of people, it's all, it's, it's couple dependent really for a lot of people. It's not about whether it's a good argument, whether it's a logical argument, it's about who within the fandom they like and who they don't. It's about which royals they like and which ones they don't. And not actually about the real people and the real facts of the situation. And that was, it was just so, such perfect timing. I wondered if that anon, anonymous person like came back the next day and was like, oh, interesting interesting to see what you're all saying now uh, which is exactly what I was saying yesterday you know yeah it was it was so I was just like but we literally just had this conversation yesterday about a different couple I was like has everyone gone slightly insane if we all lost our minds overnight um but it was the thing where people were getting really morally offended on behalf of Mary you know not really on behalf of Mary but they were pretending um and they, they were obviously they took what you know, initially was like a hinty headline into immediate being like, I'm personally going to hunt down and kill the Crown Prince of Denmark because he has uh, had an affair um, within minutes. And all I could think was you are, you are just hurting the people that you like. And I, when we did our episodes on our, you know, our tall, dark, powerful brunette episode where we spoke about Kate and Victoria and I said like my biggest issue with Kate were Kate fans yeah, um, because they annoy me um, I you know it's the same thing like if I was if I wanted to annoy Kate and William fans right now I would just go for it and it would be really easy to do because they've given me all the ammunition I could possibly need for about five years I'd be like um, so you are convinced that uh, Frederick had an affair because he stood next to a woman. Here's 29 pictures of William stood next to a woman and smiling. Like, I, it's easy. It's easy. As soon as you give someone the ammunition, you can just go with it. Um, but if tomorrow there was a story in the newspaper that, you know, with no photo, you know, with a photo that William had had an affair with a woman and the picture is of them stood next to each other outside, the exact same people are going to go, no, that's, that's not evidence. He's just stood next. Can't men, women be friends anymore? Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I think that is con- that is bothering me is this like faux concern from Mary. And they did the exact same thing to Charlene. Maybe it's the difference in how we view what care means. I am not friends with Crown Princess Mary of Denmark, but, and I'm, you know, it is, it is completely impossible that the story did not get back to them considering the Danish Royal Palace made a rebuttal about it. But I would rather... You know, either it is true and they're clearly going to have to deal with that privately or it's not true and they're having a lot of rumours about it. So not either way, I would not want to add to what must be a stressful situation by just sort of throwing my completely uneducated hat in the ring and being like, so my opinion on an affair between two people of countries I am not from and that I've never met, I've got absolutely nothing to do with me, is this. Because this is a subjective thing and because cheating is about different people's personal relationship standards, as I have already uh, shown by quoting the dictionary, um, <laughs> I think that, that, that so there's inherent subjectivity to it. There's inherent, like it has to be based on the thoughts and feelings of Mary and Frederick. And so there is something, there is something in this situation where if you have decided that Frederick is a cheater and Mary is a victim and you're you're saying oh well the only reason I'm talking about it is because I feel really sorry for Mary and I feel really bad for Mary that she's been put in this situation there is something in that process that requires you to essentially say her what she actually thinks and feels is not relevant because I decided for her that she should think and feel this way and so what she wants what she you know it's like if your friend 
um, told you that their boyfriend had done something, but they didn't consider that to be cheating. And you went, well, no, shut up. You're wrong. Actually, I know that it is cheating. And I'm only saying this because I care about you. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I often have negative opinions on my friend's partners and I keep it in until they spit up and I'm like oh thank god right let me tell you all of my issues but I do it post breakup not you know in the moment when my friend is clearly going to be feeling sort of emotional because I think you know if you genuinely had you know care for Mary and empathy for her whether or not you thought Frederick had cheated gossiping about it is only going to make it worse like the best thing to do is to help it blow over as quickly as possible so it's not the topic of discussion anymore rather than zooming in on pictures of her face every three seconds and being like see she's side-eyeing him evidence of cheating yeah i mean look what good 10 years of um speculating did to charlene you know it definitely exacerbated her difficulties that she's had um and she said how terrible it made her feel so maybe let's not do that um Let's not, you know, if you genuinely care about Mary, don't do that. So, yeah, I think the summary of the situation is there are photographs and there's eyewitness testimony from photographers that suggest that Frederick spent the night at the house of Genevieve Casanova, a Mexican-born, but now living in Spain, um, aristocrat or socialite. Um, And they went to dinner together. So they were seen outside of the house a couple of times. Yeah, she's denied it. They haven't commented. And those are the actual facts. As we've said here, proving cheating requires evidence of the couple's boundaries, which we don't have. So it is absolutely possible that Frederick is cheating. I am not saying that he isn't. It's possible that him and Mary have been separated unofficially for years and have been faking this entire time in public. All of that is completely possible. Um, But you know, innocent until proven guilty. If I'm talking about somebody in a public sphere, I need to have some level of evidence in order to accuse them of being a cheater. I don't think Mary and Frederick are going to start suing everyone that is insinuating that, you know, Frederick is a cheater. But, you know, people are just saying things with their whole chest on the internet and they don't need to be because, you know, there is, you know, I don't, you can, you know, believe what you like, but you have to have the evidence. If you're going to state something publicly, you have to have the evidence to back it up. And like you said, we don't have any evidence of anything. We don't even have evidence that they weren't having an affair. We just have evidence that they know each other. And, or, you know, <laughs> that's it. That's it. I, I know, know a lot of people. At least got some story we've ever had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man knows woman <laughs> is basically the gist of this. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Like Mary is the only person who can actually provide any evidence of the fact that Frederick cheated. And I doubt that she will ever do that. I doubt that we're going to have, you know, a panorama Diana style interview with Mary sitting looking sad and talking about how terrible her husband is. And I also think I would like to remind everybody that there have been rumours about cheating or divorces or like sham marriages for Margrethe and Henrik, Sonia and Harold, Metamara and Hakon, Victoria and Daniel, Carl Gustav and Sylvia, Charlene and Albert, Felipe and Letizia, Matilda and Philippe, Guillaume and Stephanie, Edward and Sophie, William and Kate, Elizabeth and Philip, Sarah and Mike, Jacques and Eugenie. And that's just off the top of my head when I was writing these this, these notes. I didn't even like do research on other people. And all of those people, as of the time of recording, are still together or were together until one of them died. Um, so this is par for the course of being a 
a public figure being a royal is that if you're married people are going to, or even if you're not married if you're just dating people are going to say that you were cheated on your spouse it seems to be a rite of passage that it has to happen to every royal couple at some point or another um so i just would re- remind people of that to put it in perspective that like it's possible that they will never address these stories and that they will stay married for the rest of their lives and i think for a lot of people it will die down and we'll just move on to the next thing. For other people, the stories will kind of linger and they will never, I say this in quotation marks, forgive Frederick for what he's done. Um, But um, I think the only way that this story will have any sort of significant impact on them in Denmark, the country where they actually live and that pays their bills, um, the only way that it would have any sort of massive long-term damage there is if Mary confirms it or like suddenly changes her behavior massively with Frederick and becomes really cold to him and never lets him touch her and all those sorts of things people will always be offended that there are affair rumors about their favorite couple and people will always insinuate there are affairs going on and you know you don't need proof to assume something people assume things all the time um but it like you, you just you read that like massive list of yeah. couples that have had affair rumors, and some of those are, you know, are rumors that come up every now and then, and some of them are rumors that, you know, come up once and go away, and you never hear of them again. And I think we are very much like within a week of this sort of news story breaking, and it might be the case that in twenty years we're like, do you remember Frederick's little thing? But it also could be within a year we're going. What did Frederick do? There was there was a story, and I think you know, the media moves on so quickly from everything all the time. Like, there's going to be another scandal in about five minutes that we're going to be going. Oh, so let's discuss this one, and it's not particularly scandalous in the first place. Yeah. is all we have got for this week um we hope you enjoyed today's episode if you did feel free to um rate us five stars wherever you so wish to do so um and if you have any other myths you would like us to bust um feel free to let us know at any um place where we are instagram tumblr (laughs) any place where we are you see me on the streets (laughs) just bump into me to let me know um but for now that is all we have got for this week so it is goodbye from me and goodbye from me